Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead Bible study groups using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Drew Dixon. Drew gives leadership to the team that creates the student Explore the Bible resources. We both are following the same study plan, so they'll be studying, the students will be studying Colossians just like we are, so it, it's uh, good for Drew to be with us today. Drew, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, great to be here. We're looking at session eight. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter one, verses 24 through chapter two, verse three, so we'll be looking at verses in two different chapters. The main point of this study is that spiritual transformation is the goal of the gospel. And here are the three points that we'll be looking at. Committed as a messenger, focused on maturity, and concerned for the faithful. These are three things that define Paul's attitude or characteristics we see of Paul while he's writing the church in Colossae. First of all, that first point, committed as a messenger, that comes from verses 24 through 27 of chapter 1. In these verses, Paul declared that he rejoiced in suffering for the gospel. He called himself a servant who was commissioned to reveal the mystery and hope of the gospel to all people, including Gentiles. We'll talk more about that term mystery here in just a minute, Drew. Uh, the main point here is that God works through the lives of his followers to make the gospel known. The second point is that Paul was focused on maturity. We see this in verses 28 and 29 of chapter 1. Here, Paul affirmed his purpose in terms of proclaiming the wisdom of the gospel so that everyone might become mature in Christ. He explained that he was able to do this work only through God's strength. The point for us is that we as believers, we deliver God's message in his strength so that others can grow spiritually. The last point of the outline is looking at verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 2 of Colossians. We've entitled that concern for the faithful. In these verses, Paul told of his concern for all believers that they would be encouraged and united in love. The truths and wisdom of the gospel awaited those who faithfully followed Christ. The main point here is that believers demonstrate maturity by encouraging faithfulness in others. Through, that's a quick look at these, these passages. It's a short passage, short amount of verses, but there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, the first thing I was talking about, I mentioned it when, we were, when I was walking through the outline, is this word mystery of God. Mm. Um, is that a good or bad thing when you think about those who lived before Jesus's time, that they, that, that wasn't revealed to them, but then it's revealed to, to folks after the life of Christ? I think the short answer is that more revelation is always good and helpful. So like, you know, we're very privileged to live at a time when that mystery is revealed to us. Um, and, and I think it's important to sort of unpack a little bit what that mystery is. And if we look back at Colossians 1, 15 through 23, you know, the passage just leading up to this, there's this wonderful hymn um, that we don't know if Paul wrote it or if he just quoted it. Um, but this wonderful hymn about Jesus and whether he wrote it or quoted it doesn't matter, right? It's the fact that he includes it in, in this passage tells us it's, it's inspired scripture for our, for our good. And it's true, right? We know it's, it's trustworthy because Paul, Paul included it. And, you know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And when he says firstborn, he's thinking like 
like kind of the idea of like a firstborn son. He's 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 sovereign over all creation. He's king over everything. Like this whole hymn is about how Jesus is king and he's king over everything. And he's doing a work of reconciliation in which he's reconciling everything to himself. So like everybody's going to bow to King Jesus. We're all going to be um, subjected to him. Um, you know, I think for some that's that's really, really beautiful and really good news. For others, um, it could be could be more terrifying, right? Because you haven't you haven't trusted Jesus. And so that that reckoning is, is a little different. Um, but all that said, like uh, I I think well again, I, I uh, those who would have lived prior to Jesus, they're they're trusting God's not diminished by not knowing the mystery. In fact, they probably have, you could argue right. have greater trust because they didn't know sure. yeah. mystery. While us on this side, our trust is a little bit different level-wise, but it's in the same mystery. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but it but it is part of this mystery is Christ in us, right? The hope of glory. There's this um like personal relationship with God that Jesus makes possible through the gospel this really like uh personal i mean think back to like exodus um moses is meeting with god in the tent and um he comes out and his face is shining and like nobody can look at him because his face is shining with the glory of god um and 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 the people are like uh you go talk to god for us we don't want to have to do that because yeah. that looks terrifying. Um, and so what Jesus has done is, is, is now like Jesus is living in a personal way in every one of his followers, which is hard for us to get our minds around. But, but that's like, there's something really uh, profound and beautiful about the intimacy with which, with God, with that Christ, that Jesus makes possible for us um, yeah, we, that I think we don't like dwell on enough, you know? Yeah, we don't have to depend on a cloud to, to tell us if we're going to move today or not, like they did in Exodus. Yeah, we have Christ living in us, form the Holy Spirit, who directs us, directs our steps that day. Um, so it's the direction is still there; it's just a little different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, um, and 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 part of this too that's I think important to remember is that this mystery, part of what was a big deal about this mystery was the inclusion of Gentiles, right? Um, the reality of, of intimacy with God being possible through the gospel, but then that intimacy with God being something that's for everybody, like that's to be proclaimed to everybody, that anyone, Gentile, Jew, like for a Jew in Paul's day to hear that message, like, hey, um, the Gentiles can be just as close to God through Jesus as you can. And that was sort of like, whoa, really? <laughs> like, that was a pretty, like, it's hard for us. To, we, we all know that. Like, I think if you've been in church for very long, uh, like a church that's preaching, like th the Bible, you kind of know that and you take it for granted. But in Paul's day, that was a radical message. Um, and the church at Colossae probably included both Jews and Gentiles, but probably more Gentiles. And so that was really, really like beautiful, good news for them because they had kind of heard through the grapevine like hey this stuff is for the jews like this idea of intimacy intimacy with god um is, is not for us and they're saying and paul's saying to all these people you're not second class in the kingdom of heaven you're valued you're loved you're offered this like relationship in which christ is actually like present in your person you have a seat around the table just like yeah like, mm -hmm. like Verse 24 is one of those sticky verses that, that I'm expecting there to be a, a question or two about when teaching this, this particular lesson. And that is where Paul 
mentions that it uses the phrase lacking in Christ afflictions or suffering. Different translations do it different ways. Uh, so you get this idea that there was something that was lacking in Christ crucifixion yeah. and suffering on the cross. Um, I think we would reject that based on what you just said, especially on the verses that you pointed to in verses eight, in 18 through 20 and a little bit mm. later on in here as well. But how can we help our groups understand what Paul meant here when he's talking about Christ suffering? Feeling what is lacking, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, just like he said, we know he's not saying that Jesus's sacrifice on the cross is not enough. And so then I've got to suffer to make it enough for me or to make it enough for somebody else. Um, that's not what he's saying because of everything he's just said before. Like one of the easiest ways to answer like really tough Bible questions is just to do some really good reading of the verses that come before a tricky verse. Um, so you don't have to have a, a Greek degree or um, knowledge of ancient Greek to understand that Paul's not saying Jesus isn't enough. Um, you can just read verses 15 through 23, right? Yeah. Um, it's important to remember that New Testament, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and the way it's translated into our language doesn't always like, it's not always one-to-one. -one. It's not always simple to understand. And so when we see something that's tricky, we need to think like, well, maybe that maybe Paul's not meaning that the way that I at first glance think he's saying it. And so Paul's not saying that Jesus' sacrifice was lacking in power and needed to be made stronger by his suffering. Paul had just outlined how Jesus reconciles to God all who trust in him. So Jesus is our Messiah. He's our Savior. His death on the cross accomplished salvation for all who trust in him. Um, and Paul saw himself and all who trust in Jesus as united. This is that mystery, right? hidden for the ages it's christ in you all who've trusted jesus are united to god in this really powerful way and kind of mysterious way and so when when paul says completing what's lacking in christ's affliction he means that he saw his own suffering i think as an extension of jesus's suffering so everyone who trusts jesus is then invited to suffer and that sounds awful but but it's true this side of eternity everyone who trusts jesus is going to suffer i mean paul told timothy those that that very you know anyone who lives godly in christ jesus is going to suffer that doesn't mean that our suffering is going to be as gnarly um and difficult as paul's was but we will suffer and that's and we can trust that that's an extension of, of jesus's suffering in the sense that god can use and will use our suffering to point people to jesus to build the kingdom to help people um, see the beauty of the cross and to look to him for salvation. So the suffering, I think Paul believed that his suffering was a part of God's plan to redeem and renew the world. Um, and because Jesus's suffering led to resurrection, we can trust that our suffering isn't hopeless, you know, that God's going to use our suffering to make a difference for the kingdom, I think is kind of the idea. In that sense, we are participating in the suffering of Christ at that point. It's not that it's a lack. Yeah. It's more of us, us being in the place of Jesus. Um, he's already gone through the death, burial, and resurrection. He's sitting on his, his throne in heaven. And for him to come back to earth and suffer now would make him less than what he has done. Yeah. So instead yeah. we step in, uh, it's similar to uh, representing him. Yeah. We take yeah. we we step in in that position knowing that he's already endured it. Mm -hmm. It's not that we're completing something, it's that we're stepping in 
in in that same place. Yeah. Identifying with him. Yeah. And in a way that's really like I don't I don't know how to put it. It's vital. Um, in a sense, like I'll give you an example that I think might be helpful for some listeners. Let's say you've been trying to share Jesus with a friend for a long time and they just don't care. They don't want to listen. They're not interested. It's just, they've shut the door in your face so much that you've quit trying. And then let's say you find out that, you know, you have this really awful illness or something and you're in the hospital and your friend observes how you're suffering in a way that's like still hopeful. And in the midst of this, like, let's say you find out you have cancer or something awful like that, and you're still trusting Jesus and you're like, you know, this is awful. I hate it, but, but, but I'm trusting that God's going to use it. And let's say your friend observes this and, and that leads to a real, real valuable, like the first time you feel like you're getting through to this friend about the gospel. Like that's not a far-fetched story. I've heard lots of stories of yeah. like, like that. And um, I think that I might be. Who, I have a friend who's going through that right now and that their testimony, I can't begin to think of the number of people they've shared with Christ that they mm-hmm. would not have had the opportunity to talk to. Yep. Uh, yep. Happened to my dad. I mean, my dad um, had prostate cancer and he's doing really well now. It's not, I think it's in remission, but uh, during the time it was pretty serious and, uh, and, and God used him in countless ways to share the hope of Jesus with people um, in ways that I think people wouldn't have listened to before, you know, that's an example of how God might use. Uh, and I think that's God did that constantly in life of Paul because he suffered, yeah. I mean, immensely. And, uh, and he's, you know, like we saw in Philippians, he's sharing with everyone in the palace guard while he's in prison in Rome. Um, because this, you know, they're like, I think part of it was that they saw Paul's hope in the midst of being in a pretty awful situation in prison, you know? He was excited to be there and they're like, I can't get over. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with someone who's actually excited about spending two years yeah. to rest? Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, in trying to sum up that conversation, what I hear us saying, I think, is that through our suffering, we become instruments of the redemption mm-hmm. that Christ accomplished on the cross. And therefore we are, we are part of his purpose. Then we fulfill his purpose of redemption not that we yeah. provide it but we become a conduit a mm-hmm. instrument that pro- that provides it for someone else and he works through us and yeah. that's, how, that's how they get connected is through what they see in us when we're yeah doing. i think we need to like really have a clear understanding that we don't save people you know like that the god yeah. that jesus does that the gospel does but i think we also need to really fight this temptation that we're not vital in the process we absolutely are um there's, there's people all around us who, who, um, like we're a part of, we're an essential part of how God's going to redeem them, you know, and how God and, and, and of of the process of them coming to trust Jesus. That leads me into the next question. The last question I have here, because in chapter two, verse one, Paul expresses this strong desire for the people in Colossae and Laodicea for them to personally meet face to face. He has this strong passion for these people, even though he hadn't met them. Yeah. The question we have to think about here is why was Paul so concerned about a group of people he had never met? This is a, this is going to feel like a real Sunday school answer. You know what I mean? When I say that, like uh-huh. every answer to a question in Sunday school is like God or Jesus or the Bible <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or pray, you know, what should we do? We should pray. 
Um, what should we do? We should read our Bibles more. Uh, but I think the answer to that question is Jesus. That's the only way you can make sense of how Paul is so passionate about this church that he didn't, that, that he hasn't met. Um, because he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, you know, he met the resurrected Jesus and Jesus um, sent him to the Gentiles and said, love these people, tell them about, about me, you know? And so I think it's clear. Cause like you think about what he was doing before that. I mean, he was, he was seeing to it that Christians were put to death and um, you know, was, was a part of the, the martyring uh, of, St of Stephen being martyred, you know, it was, was a, was a crucial part of that. And um, this is, he was, he fully understood the power of God's love in his own life. And that transformed how he viewed other people. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Say that. Yeah, I think it's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe even the fact that he hadn't met them kind of fueled his love in a way, in a, in a greater way, because this was a church he wanted to invest in more deeply and really wanted to protect uh, too from 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 some pretty potential, some very potentially destructive uh, false teaching too. You know. So that's probably playing a part in this. The key doctrine for this week is the monobangism and missions. And it, it's this statement. It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. And then the passage it points to is Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20, which we can certainly understand that being a, a verse that would support that, uh, the Great Commission. One way we might conclude uh, this study or bridge to the summarize and challenge section is for us to highlight that key doctrine and then ask somebody in the group to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and then compare that to what we find here in Colossians 1, 24 through 2, 3, seeing if there are connections between those two passages. Uh, a question we may want to ask our group uh, is what Paul is expressing here is this how we think that the, a, a demonstration of Matthew 28, 18 through 20 could be seen in practical ways? Hmm. What lessons do we learn here about what it means to have this kind of love for other people, to have that kind of compassion to make the, and that, that drive to make disciples of all nations and, and look at practical ways that may be carried out in our own lives. And that serve as that bridge, uh, that final piece of the puzzle here when we're looking at this passage. That's just one idea of a way you might conclude this lesson. Uh, Drew, you got any other ideas, suggestions you would share with our listeners today about this study? I, I was thinking too, as you were just sharing about the key doctrine, um, this is one of those passages too. What you said just made me think about how this sort of demonstrates ways that we can minister to people that we might not think we have a responsibility to minister to, you know, I was just thinking about maybe how this translates to like ways we support missionaries or, you know, you may see someone, you, you, you may have some uh, missionary overseas who you think like, Oh, well, they're doing their thing in in Ethiopia or wherever, um, you know, or even maybe domestically, but um, Paul wrote this letter and <laughs> it was, can you imagine how powerful this letter was in the hearts and lives of the people who first read it? 
like, I mean, it's, it's powerful enough in our lives as we're eating it 2000 yeah. years later, but um, yeah, I think it, it could be a cool exercise too in your groups to maybe brainstorm some ways you could support Christians who need some love, some encouragement, some support um, in the important work they're doing, or, or just, you know, maybe, you know, some Christians who are going through a hard time or suffering, like just because they're not in your hometown, doesn't mean there's not a way for you to um, help them feel less alone and encouraged. Well, and it doesn't just because you haven't met them either doesn't mean that you yep. have the responsibility. Drew, thank you for being with us today. Uh, from time to time in this podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. We may take about, talk about the Leader Pack, Adult Commentary, Quick Source. We may take, talk about Explore the Bible students or kids. Uh, you can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you join us next week. We'll be looking at session nine. Bob Bunn will be joining me. We'll be looking at Colossians 2, 4 through 15, and focusing on the forgiveness of sin that's found only through faith in Jesus. Thank you.